Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Well, you meet our next guest. He has done something so few people have done before. He's walked in space. He's also been in a Disney film talking to Buzz Lightyear. But guess what? He's never been to Dublin. It's all about to change because he is coming to Dublin. He is Tim Peake. He's playing the Borgosh Energy Theatre with his My Journey to Space show. Tickets available now from BorgoshEnergyTheatre.ie. And he's on the line right now. Tim Peake, good morning. I'm good, thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm great. I really am. I'm delighted to talk to you. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Delighted to talk to you too. Great. So you're coming to Dublin, something you've not done. I mean, you've been to space, but you've never been to Dublin. <laughs> I haven't. I am really looking forward to it. <laughs> um, possibly you'll meet more aliens here than you did when you were running around space and stuff. But, um, but look, people are going to be really excited to go and hear you speak about this because it is such a limited number of people who've ever managed to do the thing that you have managed to do. And as a human race... It is obviously the most incredible thing that we've ever done is to leave our planet. Um, sitting here now, thinking about you know the the conversation you'll have on the night in Dublin in the Borgosh Energy Theatre, does it give you a chance to reflect on the magnitude of what it is you've achieved? It, it does. I mean, I, I'm hope to try and kind of put that across to the audience. Um, uh, spending six months in space gives you that time to really absorb your situation and to be able to process what it is you're doing and looking down on planet Earth. And, and it's quite an amazing experience. It's a very privileged position to be in. And so hopefully the, the show kind of gives the audience that similar experience, takes you on an orbit of Earth, shows you what we're doing, talks about spacewalking and how we train for space and what we're doing in the future as well. Well, I think that's very important. What you mentioned there is, you know, the, the training for space. This is a limited number of people who've managed to do this. And the reason for that is because, you know, you guys need to be extraordinary human beings to do this. And there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of preparation. And we can only build a space station, have it orbit the Earth and then send humans up and down to it in rockets because of the preparation of a lot of people and it's the the few of you guys who get to actually spend time there. But the team and the effort that's required to get you up to the ISS and have the ISS function as it is, is just phenomenal. It is phenomenal and, and it's an amazing team and it's not just one nation, of course. It's international countries. Um, we have 22 member states just in Europe who are part of this, as well as NASA, as well as Russia, as well as Japan and Canada, uh, all working together to make this possible. And that amazing team uh, is essential to keeping us safe in space and preparing us for that, that mission. And every day we rely on them to be able to operate and help us out on board the space station. Yeah, and your day-to-day thing, without giving too much away, because we want people to go, obviously, and see your your uh, your big event in the Borgosh Energy Theatre, but just on a day-to-day basis, I mean, would every day be the same on the ISS or is every day different? But I mean, do you wake at the same time and have the same breakfast routine? I, I'm asking this because I'm a man who loves a routine. I'm just interested to see if it, if it applies in space as well. But it's funny because on the one hand, we do have a quite a structured routine and that's on purpose. It helps. I mean, everyone having gone through lockdown will understand when you're in a confined environment, actually structure and routine is the one thing that kind of helps 
helps you. It helps you eat correctly at the right time. It helps you exercise. It gives you the downtime you need to switch off. But whilst the routine is there every single day, what we do in our working hours is always different. Hmm. We're touching different experiments every day. We might be using the robotic arm to grab a visiting cargo vehicle and unpacking it, uh, or we might be preparing for a spacewalk. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things we're doing on the space station, maintaining it, repairing it. Science probably takes up at about 60% of our, our time, uh, but the other 40% is very, very varied. So it's a fascinating place to live and work. I can imagine, uh, and literally I can only imagine because I'll never get to do it, but you also did a spacewalk. I mean, that is just, it has to be one of the most incredible things that a human being can do is to, I mean, although you're protected in a suit, but to literally get outside of a space station and walk around. I, I just, I, I can't imagine the the feelings, whatever about the technicality of everything you're doing, but the, the emotions you would feel doing that. It is. It, it is unbelievable. When you first get on board the space station, one of the places you go to is the cupola window straight away because it gives you the most amazing views of Earth. Uh, but you still feel fairly protected inside the space station this kind of sanctuary in space and it's it's very easy to just get on with your normal routine and working day but when you go to the airlock when you put on a spacesuit and you drop down that hatch uh it's unreal i mean it's a very surreal experience and you've just got this thin visor and that's it you're floating in space you feel very very exposed but at the same time, it feels magical. It's a very serene, it's quite a peaceful, tranquil feeling, actually, being outside on a spacewalk and being able to look at the whole universe all around you. And since coming back and, you know, living, I, I doubt a normal life, as most of us would would, uh, would kind of categorise it, but living here on Earth with the rest of us who've never been to space, you know, do you find yourself longing for that opportunity again? Is it something that you'd like to pursue again? Or is that a chapter that you've done you're happy with that amazing achievement and you can kind of close that book. Well, I'm certainly happy with what I'm do- I've done, uh, but I would always love another mission. I don't think there's any astronaut who wouldn't love another mission. And at the moment, my class of ESA astronauts are going through their second missions at the moment. And we've got these new Artemis missions coming up as well, returning yeah. to the moon this time to stay. So there is a really exciting period of space exploration coming up. Uh, whether or not I've, I'm going to get another mission or not, I don't know. But uh, I certainly have got my hand high in the air for a, one of these Artemis missions. Well, let, sure. let's talk about that because that is quite an exciting uh, prospect. A, a return to the moon seems long overdue. It was something that we achieved so impressively in the 60s, but haven't been back since the 70s. Um, with it going back and, as you said, staying there, what, what do you think will be the difference this time around and what do we hope to achieve? Yes, well, what we're going to achieve is, is a permanent presence and that there's a reason why it's been 50 years since Apollo 17 um, and that's because you can't run a space station program, you know, which needed a space shuttle to build it, to operate and manage the ISS for over 20 years. Um, you can't do that and run a deep space exploration program at the same time. There just aren't the budgets or resources available. Um, when NASA did the Apollo missions, they were using nearly 5% of US. GDP to yeah. Now, space budgets these days, even NASA's budget is only 0.5%, not even that. And, and the rest of the world's budgets are another order of magnitude lower. So what we're doing is handing over low Earth orbit 
to commercial companies and pooling all of our resources in terms of national space agencies so we can go back to the moon. I think it is going to be extremely significant when we start seeing um, you know, those, those astronauts going back to the moon and we start getting the images with today's technology, yeah. with the kind of cameras that we'll have, uh, the kind of low latency that we'll have. We'll be able to watch this live, of course, like they did in the 60s, but in you know amazing uh, full color with, with high resolution cameras. It's going to be spectacular and this is just a stepping stone to the next decade which is going on to mars um and i think it will be very profound for a number of people to be able to watch this yeah well look i mean you're in the middle of all of this uh having been in space and hopefully getting back up on an artemis mission uh, we were recently talking to a girl called mary o'donnell who's from limerick here in ireland and she heard us when she was about 17 years old talking to Nora Patton who is um, known as Space Nora to most of our listeners who is somebody who is on her way to hopefully becoming the first Irish woman in space Um, but Mary was so inspired by our conversation that we had with Nora on the radio at the time that she went and has focused her studies on uh, achieving the same goal and becoming uh, a woman in space and she is now studying aeronautics in America she's done work programs with Boeing and she's uh, a woman in STEM obviously and we actually asked her we told her you were coming on and asked her did she have a question for you so if it's okay with you I'll play you this question that Mary sent into us and see if you can give her an answer Hi Tim, Mary here it's an absolute honour to be able to send you this message Um, I've read your book and I've been so inspired by every single word I just want to know what has been your biggest challenge over your whole career? Uh, that's a great question, Mary. Um, and thank you for asking. I, I think, um, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. And I think the, the, the greatest challenge over my whole career has really been having the confidence to do what I am being passionate about and what I thought has been the right thing. Many times throughout my career, there have been other choices, other routes, which perhaps my head was saying, well, if you want to get promoted more quickly, that would be better for your career to go down that way. Uh, Or people trying to advise me into different directions. But um, there are a couple of times where I I had to put that advice to one side and I had to just do what I was passionate about. What a brilliant answer. Absolutely love it. Um, Just before we let you go, Tim, we can't do that without talking about Lightyear, uh, which, of course, is the amazing Disney Pixar movie about Buzz uh, Lightyear. And you got a chance to voice a character on that. How was that? Uh, what a fun experience. Uh, yes, uh, it's not every day you get a call from Disney and Pixar to, to come and do a cameo <laughs> role, but they're an amazing team. They're a huge amount of fun. And of course, they, they just produce amazing video, uh, movies and videos. So so to actually be part of that team for a short period of time was, was wonderful. I loved every minute of it. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, Tim Peake, we look forward to seeing you in the Borgosh Energy Theatre for My Journey to Space. Tickets available now, borgoshenergytheatre.ie. Tim, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you very much, and I can't wait to get to Dublin. We will see you then. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today FM.